the Love Life and Lose Weight podcast will teach you the art and science of changing your habits around food. If you know what to do, but can't figure out why you're just not doing it, this is the right podcast for you. I'm your host, Advanced Certified Weight and Life Coach, Heather Beardsley. I've helped hundreds of women just like you figure out how to think and eat like a normal eater, lose weight, and love life on the journey to goal weight and beyond. Hey, welcome to episode 13. In this podcast, I'm going to teach you how to figure out what to do instead of eat. This is going to be key for making weight loss easy because although we can want something like say we have the desire to eat after dinner, you can kind of push through that desire using your, your willpower and force yourself to not eat. Um, your mind will continuously turn to that urge. It will feel distracting. You might feel restless if you don't eat. Um, it will feel hard. You'll feel some resistance to it because the habit is there. You're not questioning the thought about why you want to overeat. And you also don't have a plan for what to do instead. And that's where this topic is really going to help you. So we know that for my clients that have struggled with weight loss, where they have maybe been able to lose weight many times, but there always seems to be like a regain of weight. We know that that is the result of using food as a strategy to cope with life. And when we eat, when we're not hungry in order to feel better, that's called emotional overeating. Now you can develop just a habit of overeating without needing to feel better, but just to like, in other words, habitual overeating, that's not necessarily emotionally driven, like for emotional relief. It's just like, Hey, it tastes good. I want more of that. I mean, food in and of itself is a driver of overeating. Um, so you can have a habit of overeating and you can have a habit of using food as a strategy to feel better when we feel in a way that we don't like. So this, this is, like I said, emotional overeating and the vast majority of my clients, this is the one that is responsible for all of those weight gains, because if you don't learn a different way to meet your emotional needs, other than eating to feel better, that habit stays in place. And inevitably life always serves us up challenges. We get into new, um, phases of our life that can be challenging, that can be emotional, uh, breakup, a death, a divorce, um, problems at work, problems in, in your relationship, problems with your kids, um, you name it, that will happen. And if your only recourse for when you feel like shit is to eat, then that is going to be in the way of losing all your weight and being able to maintain it for life. So let's talk about that. This is a huge part of sustainable weight loss. So what do we do instead of eat when we feel bad? Well, 
the first thing that we need to do is recognize and cultivate awareness. So we need to increase our awareness of when this is happening. I remember um, when I was going to life coach school, that training was making me really aware of all the thoughts that I was thinking and the habits that were kind of unconsciously playing out. When I, when I say unconscious habits, I want you to think about driving a car, how many times you can be on the phone, get in your car. And the next thing, you know, you've arrived at your destination and you have very little recall of the actual driving that took place on the way to your destination. And this is because you've spent so many thousands of hours in the car, driving the car that your brain has pretty much automated those habits. So this is what we call an unconscious habit. It's been automated by your brain so that it doesn't require your conscious awareness. Now, when I say conscious awareness, there's a good example that has to do with driving, which is the first time you drove a car, especially by yourself. You can kind of, I'm sure many of you can remember like, okay, where's my keys? All right. I got to put it in the lock. Which way do I turn? This, this is old school, obviously, is when you had to put the key in the car door and turn it one way or the other. And then you had to find the ignition and you had to figure out like back in the day, I had to like depress the accelerator before I would start my car in order for my car to start upright. It was all new to me. You know, every um, putting the car into reverse, um, you know, pulling into the parking space. Am I in the lines? Like, am I sticking out? How far do I pull up? Like you, you don't even know like how much space your car takes up in a spot or in the lane. You've got to habituate like the markers, like where you situate yourself on the yellow line versus the line on the, um, the outside of the road to get, make sure that you're in the middle Remember how painfully conscious you had to, you know, pay attention to every little thing. So those are new conscious habits. Okay. That requires lots of time, lots of focus, lots of attention. So the truth is if you have struggled with your weight, with emotional overeating, emotionally overeating is an unconscious habit just like driving your car and you don't even kind of remember how you got there. <laughs> I remember, so back to life coach school, when I was becoming really aware of my unconscious habits, I noticed that something had happened that evening that was upsetting. And the next thing I knew, I was standing in front of the pantry and I don't even remember getting up. I don't remember having a thought about getting up. And that's what really puzzled me. Because, you know, we learn through cognitive behavioral conditioning that it's a thought that creates a feeling. The feeling drives what you do or don't do. But here I was standing in front of the pantry, not really aware of the feeling and certainly not aware of the thought that brought me there. So I knew I had to apply my awareness to what had what, what was happening before I got up. So how do we become aware of a habit that is playing out unconsciously? Well, you have to think about it, write about it, talk about it, 
over and over and over again to make your, your mind aware that, hey, we need to pay attention to this. If you ever discovered that you had a bad habit of biting your nails and say in school, and then the next thing you know, like your nails are all chewed down to the quick and you're like, wait, what's happening? I don't even remember biting my nails in class. So you would kind of catch yourself when you were already biting your nails and you'd be like, ah, I've already been doing this for several minutes before I even noticed I was doing it. So the next time you would say, all right, I'm going to sit on my hands, <laughs> keep me from biting my nails. I'm going to keep something in my hands to keep my fingers busy, right? It's cultivating awareness. So the first thing we want to do is cultivate your awareness around your emotional overeating. So the first way that we can do this is to create a plan for like what you do when you emotionally overeat. So your first piece of homework, if this is you, is to just journal around, hey, these are the times that I can recall. I know that I eat when I'm not hungry because I'm emotionally upset and I'm believing that food is making me feel better. I know that for me, arguments with a loved one, be it a partner or family member, would always like drive my overeating. That is like classic me going way, 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 way back. I just didn't learn any other way to cope with emotional upset. So I would kind of soothe myself with eating. Something about the eating, and this is how the habit um, gets started. We're emotionally upset. We don't really know what to do with that emotion. You know, we don't want to be upset. We don't want this thing to have happened. We just know we feel terrible and we want to feel better. So our brain offers us, hey, how about those apple turnovers in the pantry? And you go have an apple turnover. It tastes delicious. It distracts you from the emotional upset, fills your belly, makes your belly feel a certain way. And you tell yourself, yeah, I feel better. At least I feel better than before because that was delicious. And so the habit is set. And if you have been repeating this for how many years? Five, 10, couple decades, maybe 40 years. <laughs> you can tell that these habits are uh, of emotional overeating are very unconscious. So if we want to do anything about it, we have to increase our awareness. And um, you want to look at a few things to help you with that awareness. So the first thing besides journaling about why you emotionally overeat, like what are the triggers? What, what kinds of things happen that drive your overeating? Okay. And identifying those is going to go a long way. See if you can come up with at least one or two. And then um, the second thing to pay attention to is as these happen from time to time, whether you're able to stop the eating over it or not, is to pay attention to the environment in which this happens. So what I find with my clients is many times something upsetting will have happened in the morning, say, at work. Maybe there was an exchange with their boss and they felt anxious all day. Well, you know, you're at work, you're kind of busy. 
you push it aside because, you know, you have work to do. You have deadlines and this and that. And then, you know, you go home and your family is there and that's busy and you're making dinner. So by the time you lay down on the couch later that evening, it's the first time that you've been able to just allow your mind to percolate or those, uh, those automatic thoughts that your mind is worried about to bubble up to the surface. And you're just noticing your anxiety then, you know, your mind starts to like fondle the problem and ruminate and go back and forth and wonder what's going to happen. And it's all very uncomfortable because that, that anxiety is always coded to thoughts about like what, like resistance to what happened. That's never acceptance. It's always resistance that anxiety is tied to. So this sets you up for the environment in which your emotional overeating will take place. Because notice it didn't take place right after that upsetting conversation with your boss. It was a delayed response all the way until you were by yourself. You had nothing else to do. And then your thoughts could ruminate on it. And without any conscious direction from your, your, your thinking brain, like what you wanted to think about, if you just let that script play out, of course it makes sense. You're going to want to have relief. And I often say emotional overeating is usually, it's a, it's a strategy of one. Like there's one thing that you have in your pocket to make feeling like shit feel better. And that's to go eat. I, I describe it like, it's like having a menu at a restaurant with a one item on the menu, <laughs> overeat. And so you can see where I'm going with this. We need to have more than one item, what more than one go-to thing to help us with uh, feelings that feel difficult or that we want to avoid or that they feel hard. So environment is a big cue. A lot of times my clients will say, well, like we'll talk about their overeats and during the week. And I always ask them like, where were you? And I had this one client, she was like, oh, in my chair, in my chair, in my chair, in my chair, all of her overeats were taking place in this one chair. So we decided to move the chair that the chair would only go in her bedroom, which is never a place where she would overeat. She, she had never ate in her bedroom. See, we just, it doesn't have to be forever, but while you have a habit, if you have a, a cue, a visual cue of the chair, your mind is going to go right to, oh, we eat there. We feel better there. Let's go eat. So uh, environmental cues are one of the most overlooked, easy ways if you can manipulate your environment in any way that you can, I highly recommend it. For a lot of um, the members at No BS, what we do is we close the kitchen. So this is like a deliberate, intentional act of cleaning up kitchen after you're done with your dinner and like closing it. So some, some members even have a sign like kitchen is closed and it's just a cue for your brain. Like, no, this is not up for debate anymore. Like the eating is done for the evening. For me, that always happens once I, um, I make my evening cup of tea. So I know it's, if I want anything, I have my tea and that's it. 
So changes in an environment can really help you. And being aware of the environment in which your emotional overeats happen um, will help you increase your awareness and be able to manipulate your environment or avoid that environmental cue that leads you to overeat. Okay. So that's kind of like a, a minor thing, but the biggest thing is that you've got to have a process. So once you increase your awareness enough, you can apply a process to what wants to play out with the old habit of going to overeat. And it's kind of like a step-by-step thing where if you can notice your thoughts, your desire to eat because you feel upset, the first thing that you can do is ask yourself, am I physically hungry? This should be the litmus test that you ask yourself anytime you have a thought to eat from now until your last breath. (laughs) Because we never want you eating from a thought to eat because your brain has an agenda just to eat as much as possible. You know, that habit brain is just all about storing calories, storing fat in case of, you know, a pandemic, a zombie apocalypse, a famine. It doesn't know. It doesn't care. It wants you to overeat. You know, we're wired to desire food. And and the food we have around these days is so wonderful and concentrated and delicious. You know, we can never expect um, our limbic brain, our habit brain, our prehistoric brain to like just self-regulate in this area. You know, it, it won't. It will always want delicious food. So we never, like, we have to be the manager of us. We have to have CEO energy with the thought to eat by always checking it first with our stomach. So the way I teach my clients is our standard of action always has to be, I never eat unless there's definite signs of physical hunger present. And you can go back to the previous episode um, seven, called making peace with hunger for much more of a deeper dive on this. But um, suffice it to say here, definite signs of physical hunger will help you really regulate your weight. So if the answer is no, we're not physically hungry. Remember, this is not like, I feel like I'm hungry. That's emotional hunger. Like you can feel hungry for another person if you're attracted to them, right? (laughs) That's desire. That's very different than my stomach is empty. It is grumbling. You know, my blood sugar is dropping. That's very different. That's physiological hunger. Okay. So if the answer is no, we're not hungry, then I want you to inquire the next step besides, are we hungry? The next step is if no, then the question is why? Why do I want to eat? You can kind of set it up better if you're you're having trouble finding your thought about why you want to eat and your brain will have an answer. Don't block the answer. The answer is always there. Like ask yourself, what am I thinking eating will give me right now? That's really important because it's always like how we want to feel. And here's the top feelings that we're looking for from the desire to eat when we're not hungry, relaxation, rest, 
relief, soothing, and a reward. Like I've been so good. I deserve it. Something like that. So emotional eating is a habit that we create as a strategy to feel better in those ways, relaxing, you know, relief, self-soothing, reward, all those things, rather than something that we don't want to feel. So we want food for how it will make us feel, not for the food itself. Think about that. Okay, so when you inquire, now you're kind of like after like, oh, I'm thinking that like, this is my time to relax. And it's like, well, why do you need to relax right now? And usually my clients will say, well, I would, I was just overworking. I was working so hard all day. I had no time for myself. And that is everything because your habit of emotional overeating is trying to tell you something about your life. What's needed from your life. When you don't meet your needs directly, you will create habits that meet those needs because that's the thing that never goes away is your human needs. We all have needs for rest, relaxation, and self-soothing. That's just how we're wired as human beings. And setting up your life so that you never have a chance to relax and um, is just going to set you up to overeat because you don't have a fundamental strategy in place that directly helps you relax. For many of my clients, when I ask them about like laying on the cat on the couch before they choose to overeat, they're not relaxing. Um, many times they don't even like what's on the TV. And I say, well, why aren't you watching something that you enjoy? And they're like, well, my partner likes the show. So I just watch it. And I'm like, well, is that meeting your relaxation need? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, no wonder you want to eat. You don't, you're not enjoying what you're doing. You're not connecting with the TV show as a way that's like allowing you to decompress from your day. And so when they're watching something that's not even interesting to them, then their mind goes to their day, their work day, and they start ruminating about this email or that meeting or what went wrong here. That's relaxing. So I say to them, Hey, you're a shitty relaxer. That's what you need to do. You need to become better at relaxing. You need to create a deliberate relationship with relaxation. Got to figure out how to do that. I mean, I was terrible at relaxing. I never knew how to relax. Where I grew up in New England, it was like, if you were walking slow, you were lazy. You had to get up early, always be doing something. If you sat down and were, um, whatever, lazy on a Sunday, you were a slacker. This is like this bullshit puritanical stuff from, from the area I lived in. I noticed when I moved to Florida that people just walked slower. It was just like more chill, more easy. People weren't on edge as much. It's a, it's a cultural thing. I, I kind of incorporated that into like my idea of like who I should be. And so because of that, like I blocked developing a relationship with relaxation 
Um, so much so that I worked in, I think I mentioned this before, um, the restaurant industry when I was a teenager through college and, um, I, I was like bartending or serving food and, you know, long hours, like sometimes 14 hour days in the summer, like you need to rest. You have to take a few breaks. And the only reason why I did was because I justified it by having a smoking break. I didn't see that in the moment. I was like, no, I just like to smoke. And that felt true, but I see now what it was. It was a way that I felt like validated in sitting down for a few minutes and resting because those jobs were exhausting and I, I couldn't keep up. So I didn't want to just sit there and look like I wasn't doing anything to my boss. <laughs> so I've smoked. So you see, it's very normal to create habits that we feel as though help us, but then those habits become the source of a bigger problem. Okay. So, um, you want to always inquire, like when you realize what food is giving you, what, what feeling it gives you that helps you with the problem, you've got to, you've got to start to really look at what the root cause is. So if you're coming home every day, like anxious, worried, you know, like jacked up, your nervous system is way up or way down from a place that feels healthy and normal, you're going to find ways to regulate your nervous system if you don't have a direct way of doing that. So one thing that comes to mind is journaling making a cup of tea, putting your feet up, laying down. For many of us who work at home, we don't even have that like kind of um, commute home to decompress from our day, play some music, get our mind off of work so that we can kind of re-regulate back to home life, you know? So this is your work. Whatever the reason is that's driving ultimately your need to overeat in order to regulate that part of you, you've got to get in there in your life and experiment with some new ways to do that. So one way that I did that, I had a, um, a leftover habit of overeating after I quit drinking. Like after I quit drinking, I wanted like a treat at night which is how I used to think about drinking wine. Like it was a treat. Like it was like a little highlight, a little dopamine hit at the end of my day. And so without that, I, I was having peanut butter every night, <laughs> just like this little bowl of peanut butter with keto chocolate chips. <laughs> and I did that for about a year. And then I was like, you know, here's the thing. That was a habit that was just left over from thinking that I needed to have a habit. Like before, when I was, when I was originally drinking, it was because I was like not happy in my life. Drinking was buffering me in an unhappy life where I felt like I couldn't change it. But here I was all these years later, now having peanut butter most nights after dinner when I wasn't hungry. And that was getting in the way of my weight loss. And I'm like, why do I even do this? 
like I was for sure in a habit of doing it where I, every night I would think about it, I would have urges for it, but it was relatively easy to let go because I wasn't unhappy in my life anymore. I didn't need to be overeating. There was no reason why I was using peanut butter and chocolate chips to like feel better about something that was needing my attention in my life. It was just a habit. And maybe that's you too. Um, if it's like, say, chronic, the chronic work stress, you got to work on that. Like ways to feel better that allow that release of tension throughout your day instead of pushing it all off until the end of the day when all your willpower is gone, you're tired, you're like literally physically tired, and you don't have the bandwidth to try to argue with yourself about overeating. So what this could look like is, you know, let's say 10 minutes of meditation after your lunch at work every day. Or maybe it looks like um, a 10 or 15 minute walk after you finish your lunch at work. When I used to teach, it meant like not eating in the teacher's lounge. It, that place was like a hornet's nest of negativity. And I soaked it all up. And then I went into my next class full of all that negative stuff from the teachers. Like I, you have to get in there, make changes. So, okay. Weight loss is going to require you to support yourself differently in those situations where you've been using food as a strategy to cope with your life. It makes sense, right? You come to the podcast, you have weight to lose. Obviously you're overeating. And for the vast majority of you, you're doing some kind of emotional overeating, right? You feel a certain way. Let's call it anxious. You don't want to feel anxious. So you eat ice cream. Well, we know that that ice cream just distracts you from the anxiety. So here's part two of this remedy from this podcast is you got to learn how to feel your feelings. Just, just process them and not resist them or push them away or wish you didn't have them. If you just allow the feeling like a con, like you are the conduit for your feeling, this can change your life. So all of the, you know, becoming aware of why you do what you do, looking at your day and how you can meet your needs so that you, you're not setting yourself up for overeating. That's all great. But the main thing that's always still going to be there, whether you are super aware or not is feelings that make you feel like shit because life, right? Half of your life is going to be emotionally challenging and half of your life is probably going to be pretty amazing. So what do we do with the challenging parts instead of overeating them? Well, we got to learn how to feel the feelings. So this is, this is the final part of the podcast. Actually, let's do that in the next one. And then I can give it my full time and attention. Okay. So let's, um, little teaser there for the next one. Let's go, go over again, like what you think that eating is going to give you is the feeling that you're after whatever that feeling is, relaxation, relief, soothing, reward, whatever it is, that is your work to apply a re, an intentional relationship with, to develop that 
in a way that feels right for you. So maybe that means, you know, watching your own television program. Maybe that means, you know, um, knitting. Maybe that means crossword puzzles. Maybe that means doing a sketchbook. You know, we're evolving in our life all the time and looking to eating to emotionally regulate yourself is such a one, one trick pony for our life. It's not very interesting and it doesn't teach us anything about what, you know, our creative expression, our inner person wants from life. Our inner person wants so much more than ice cream. It wants to be creative. It wants to use its mind. You know, we work so much. We're in a culture where we we're working all the time, like some time to just do some sketching or a crossword puzzle, or I don't know, bake something at night, um, take a walk, call a friend, like analog, like on the actual phone and getting off TikTok and connecting with people. That's what's calling you. Sometimes it's just the need to connect in a different way other than with fucking food. You know, food is so boring. I mean, it tastes great and it's nice and stuff, but it's not going to love you back. It's not going to give depth and richness and facets to your life. It's not going to evolve you. It's not going to create anything that shows what you did with your time at the end of every day. You know, if you've been wanting to write the book, that's what you have, you have to make your tea and go in and write for 15 minutes every night. That's calling you. You guys ever hear a red-tailed hawk call her babies out of the nest? She, When her babies are ready, she'll fly to a tree that's nearby, but far enough that the babies know they've got to fly. And she will sit there and she will call them that screeching call literally for days until each one of them takes flight. And if weight loss has been calling you, this part, which is cleaning up this emotional overeating by becoming aware of what's needed from your life and developing a relationship that directly meets your need is half of that calling. And the other call is for you to become somebody who is uh, a conduit for their feelings, an open wire, one that doesn't, you know, shy away from big emotions. Somebody who knows that how you feel is so important for becoming the person that you are meant to be in this lifetime. If you spend your whole life pushing down difficult emotions, you know, you'll never evolve. Think about a baby that is born. <laughs> Talk about like upset. You know, they're in this warm, protected, wonderful, peaceful, amazing womb for nine months. And then big upsetting event happens. <laughs> Life is totally changed. What's the first thing that baby does? They cry. They have to cry. Their life depends on it. And what if your life really depends on you allowing the emotion to be fully felt in your body without resistance, without distraction, without you shoving food down your throat because you think it's something bad? 
what if emotions are like waves and we're being asked to ride the wave that the emotion, whatever it is, let's say it's grief. The emotion is there to take you from one shore and it carries you to a new shore. Not that your life is better necessarily in any way, but think about when you've allowed, you've just like opened up to big emotions in your life. At the end of allowing them and processing them through your body, there is a clarity that always happens. A new sense of calm, a new sense of acceptance, a new sense of like, I can bear this. I can be with this. It feels like shit. And look at me. I, I just did it. Like no emotion can hurt you. It feels like crap, but it can't hurt you. We're designed to, to feel them. So many of my clients, I know they're just have never been taught how to feel their emotions. So they created adaptive strategies of overeating to what they think is manage them. But here's the thing. All those emotions are still there waiting to be felt by you. And you just start with the next one that happens and I'll show you how to do it in the next episode. Okay. We'll go through my whole um, process for how to feel so that you can get to the next shore that's calling you. It's waiting for you. The next iteration, the next evolving in your life depends on you really being open to feeling all of, you know, what we call the 50-50 of the human experience. Okay. So become aware of um, what's going on with your emotional overeating. Really um, journal on it. Discover what feeling you're after with the overeating and then develop that relationship in your life to help you directly meet that need without needing to overeat. Okay. So stay focused and so long. Hey, if this episode resonated for you, then let's connect. Visit hbeardsley.com forward slash subscribe. That's h-b-e-a-r-d-s-l-e-y.com forward slash subscribe and get on the list. You'll get a free gift, periodic coaching, plus advance notice of in-person events and workshops.